right in the middle of our first series of 2019. And uh, this, this set of scriptures, um, uh, the Psalms 37, especially the, the few that we've concentrated on, this has been a massive thing in my life. About six or seven months ago, uh, I, I came across this set of scriptures, um, specifically this one that we're going to talk about today, uh, verse 5, 37, verse 5. And uh, it, it really just, God just used it in my life to change things, just to to, to open up so many different things. There's so much in these scriptures and in this whole chapter, you could preach on it for five years if you wanted to. There's just so much power in it. But it was this specific scripture that I actually came across in Proverbs. It's almost identically written by Solomon in Proverbs um, that I came across this. And I realized that Solomon got a lot of it from David. Uh, and as David wrote this out, and this, this, one, this one psalm, this one scripture just opened up this this concept of life that just, and I, and I know it's a dramatic word and it's overused, uh, but it just, it revolutionized the way I perceive life. And, and it, it just, it took me to a place in God I had never been before, a place of trust uh, that I had never been before, a place of peace and rest. And it all started with this scripture today. Uh, and, and I, I want to address up front, I, I, I preached this a little bit in a message a few months back um, in, in another series, and, and, I, and I address this, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but that some people, you might be confused if you open up your Bible and you're reading through this and you go to Psalms 37, verse 5, and, and up here it says, uh, roll your way or roll your path upon the Lord or roll your way upon God, or, uh, and then you look down and it says, in your translation, if you have the NIV, it says, commit your way or commit your path. Uh, to the Lord. And, and this is important that you understand this concept before we even get into this series and this message. Uh, uh, the Bible wasn't originally written in English, okay? It, it, you would think, you'd be surprised how many people don't think that. They think King James wrote it 500 years ago. That's not how that works. So uh, the Bible was, was written in several different languages, and, and, then, and this was Hebrew. The majority of the Old Testament was in Hebrew. Uh, and in and, and the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew uh, language and dialogue, there was a very common saying there called roll upon or a roll, uh, roll upon God or roll upon someone else. And it's the same thing as like we have all kinds of weird sayings today that wouldn't make any sense to 2,000 years ago or to people 2,000 years from now. All right, and I don't want to make fun of people, but you ever, you ever hear the, the saying like uh, uh, somebody I know and love and cherish says it all the time, like uh, that dog will bark or that, that dog, that's got legs or that dog will run or, you know, whatever thing that comes out of your mouth that you heard growing up and it means like, oh, that has potential. And you can't just say it like a normal human being. You have to give it some, right? And so you, you have, you, that, it's a saying that, that doesn't make any sense unless you know what it means. It's the same way. And that's why when they translate it, they, they put commit, but they're trying to give you the thing that makes the most sense to us in our, our dialogue. But the problem when, by changing the word role to commit is that what we walk away with so many times when we read this, and if we don't know, uh, and we don't really study it uh, and go deep with it, what, what we walk away from is another scripture that says uh, commit or, 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 or do it for God or do it for the glory of God. And when you think about committing something, committing your path or committing your way or committing your works to God, what you think about is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. I'm committing it in honor of God. And although this is an incredibly biblical truth, I mean, everything you do, whether you eat or you drink, do it all for the glory of God. I mean, you, our lives are for the glory of God. It's for the honor of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. It is God's. It's a powerful 
biblical message. It's just not what David's trying to communicate here in this scripture. It's a different concept. And in and, and, and 37 verse 5 and a couple times in, in Proverbs and a few other places in the scriptures, you get this same concept, this same idea. And David is pleading with the younger generation. He's saying, you got to roll your way or roll your path upon God. Where this comes from is the concept of roll. When, when something's too heavy for you to carry, when something's too heavy for you to hold, if something's too heavy for you to put on your back, uh, you've got to roll it or scoot it. Does that make sense? All right, that, 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 it's very simple once you hear it, but that's what it's talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a concept, it's a language, it's a dialogue. It's a concept that when, when something in life is too heavy or, or there's too much unknown or you don't have the ability or you don't have the knowledge or you don't have the wisdom or you don't have whatever it is uh, to be able to do a thing or to carry a thing or to accomplish a thing or to know the right way or in this case, to know the way of life or to know our path in life, or to know who we are, to know who we were created to be. You roll it upon someone who does, and in this case, it's God. Does that make sense? All right, that, that's what it is. That's what David's, he, he's crying out to you. He said, roll your way, roll your path, roll who you are, roll, roll your way of life, roll uh, your future, roll your days, roll the time you have in life, your energy, who you are as a person. Roll that up on God. Trust him and he'll act, or he'll bring it to pass, or he'll form, or he'll make, or he'll, he'll and we'll come back to the end in a, in a little bit. But that, that's, that's, what it, that's what it is. And, and, and the power of this, this scripture, and, and really Psalms 37, uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, and a little bit of 7, uh, is that David is showing you, uh, in my old age, he's, in verse 25 he says, I'm, I was young once and now I'm old. This is Papa David, Grandpa David. Looking back, and he's saying in my old age, I'm telling you, this is how you should live life. This is the best way to live life. This is, this is what it should be. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land of feet on his faithfulness. Delight in the Lord and give you desires of your heart and roll your path, your way, your purpose, who you are upon the Lord. Trust him and let him bring it to pass. Let him form it. Let him make it. But what we, what we miss a lot of times, and what I, I didn't want the series to get bogged down in this, is that, that this way of life that he's presenting is a replacement for a way of life that he exposes in the first, second verse and closes in with seven and eight and then spends the next 30 verses of Psalms 37 talking about the differences between. He brings with him a powerful and distinct warning about a way of life that so many of us actually do and actually choose to live our life in this way that, that he warns. And I want to throw this out here. This is going to be one of those messages where in the middle of it, it's going to seem almost surface level, but it's one of the most deep, deepest conversations you can ever have with yourself and with God. It's going to seem like maybe we're going one way, but we're not really going that way, so don't let your mind drift off. And it's going to affect everybody, and the reason is, is because all of us do this. We have done this, and some of us are still doing it. And sadly and unfortunately, some of us will do it until the day that we die. We're, we're, we're not listening to this warning that David is giving, this distinct and powerful warning. And this is the warning that he's giving his sons, his daughters, his youngest generation, everybody to come who consider themselves followers of God. He's saying, stop watching everybody else. And that's it. All right, you guys ready to go? <laughs> he says, stop watching everybody else. Stop concerning yourself 
with the way everybody else is living their life. Stop concerning yourself with everybody else's path. Stop concerning yourself with everybody else's destination. Stop concerning yourself with the way they're choosing to live their life. Stop concerning yourself with the people who don't live life the way God has asked us to live life. Don't, don't concern yourself with, the, in this case, specifically for David, he was telling Israel, don't concern yourself with the other cultures. Don't concern yourself with the other ways of life, with the other forms of government. Don't concern yourself. And the reason why he's saying don't watch them, don't concern yourself, don't fret over them, don't be envious of them, and please don't duplicate them is because David knows the history of Israel and he's seen this damage that comes into a person's life or into a group of people who continually watch and concern themselves with the way everybody else is living. He's seen the damages, the short-term, the long-term, and even the eternal damages that come from a lifestyle of watching everybody else. He's watched Israel come out of Egypt. And, and if you go through and you actually study the history of Israel, you'll see that, that most of the, 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 what preceded the majority of their most heinous seasons of sin came from looking into another way of life wanting something that they had, wanting some result that they had, and then trying to bring their path or their way of life in in order to achieve that result. And every single time it ended in devastation. They, they, they would look at the Egyptians and they would look at the Can, uh, Canaanites. They would look at the Assyrians. They would look at all these other, these other groups of people and, and they would see certain aspects of their life, certain, certain uh, perceptions of prosperity, certain perceptions of success, uh, certain perceptions of some type of dominance or some type of, of good thing and they would, they would want it. They would, uh, they, would, they would crave it. We want that thing. We want, we want that good thing. And so then they would concern themselves with their way of life. How did they get that thing? How did they achieve that? How did they they arrived there, and then they would eventually try to duplicate that in their life over and over and over again. And a lot of people don't realize this, but that God, especially in this season, didn't want them to have a king. God wanted to be their king, but they continually looked into the other nations and cried out, give us a human king. <clears throat> give, us a, give us a king like everybody else has. Let our government be like everybody else's government. Let, let, let it like you just stay on the mountain and you do your thing and stay in heaven and whatever. I mean, we still, we still know you're there, but we want a human king. God warned them the devastation that would come. He said, you want a king? Let me tell you what a king will do. A king will come. He'll take the best of your resources. He'll take the best of your, of your boys. He'll take the best of your children. He'll take the best of your cat. He'll take the best of everything, and he'll use it for his wars. He'll use it for his throne. He'll use it for his... Over and over and over, God tried to warn them, and they never listened, and they didn't get it until they already had it. Over and over and over again, they would look in. They would crave something, see something, want something, concern themselves with their other path, this other way of life, and then bring it into theirs in order to try to achieve that over and over and over again. It brought, it brought devastation. <clears throat> but here's the deal. Uh, most of you guys don't really know the history of Israel, and that's a-okay. Most of you don't, don't, don't really know the consequences. You can't really relate uh, with, with craving or wanting a king. You can't really relate to uh, uh, worshiping some weird god of the corn so that your crops will grow better. It's just not something we deal with today. But I, I, I want to make a statement to you. And this one statement, I would love to argue with you about it. If you want to argue with me, we can go have coffee or you can send me a long email and tell me why you're the only human in the universe this doesn't apply to. I get those a lot. Uh, but this is scientific, neurological, psychological, emotionally proven, and it is very, very deeply spiritual as well. And here it is. You will never crave something that you have not seen first. That's what you think about it. 
That, you, you ever met a two-year-old that was like, Mama, I want a 49-ounce medium-rare ribeye with some garlic butter on top from Epic. I mean, think about it. No. But as soon as they see it, they want it. It doesn't matter what it is. Then nobody wants any cookies until they've seen it. Nobody, nobody, no, nobody wants uh, any chocolate cake until they've seen it. I only have food analogies. I'm sure there's other things that exist in the universe. <laughs> I've been on a diet. You don't, you don't see it. Just walk with me, walk with me. Walk. The car, your dream car, you didn't create it. You saw it. You saw somebody driving it. You saw somebody having it. You saw somebody you respected or somebody riding down the road and you're riding in your minivan and, and the Ferrari passes you by. Right? Somebody that you love and respect. I mean, just, just think about it. And this is the reality. And I, I'm trying to, to make some jokes and warm you up and, and, and so you can understand why many of us throw our lives away. You see what other people have or possess or do. You see some type of path they're on, some type of way of life, some type of result. And it's after seeing it, hearing it, tasting it, smelling it, that you begin to crave it. You don't crave it until you see it. That's just the way that we're built. It's the way that God created us, psychologically, emotionally. In fact, there's only one thing uh, that we really have in our life, and Scripture says in two different ways that God put it in us, is this sense of there's something out there bigger than us. Solomon says it that God put eternity in our hearts. Outside of that one singular thing, that there's something deeper, something bigger than us, it's a universal factor and all throughout history, all nationality, all people, uh, we are aware. That's why all kinds of religions have existed through all, all of history, because there's something in us that just says there's something bigger out there. There's something greater than us. There's some form of God, whether we ever choose to, to give it a name or not. Other than that one distinct reality, everything else shows up in our life. Every other craving, every other desire shows up in our life because we see something and then we want something. And if you go through and, and, and you just need to be open and honest with yourself, most of the things in your life that you want and you crave and that you really built your life around, you, be, you begin to want that, crave that, because you saw somebody else have it first. You saw some way of life or some image of life or some, some thing or some idea or some, some whatever, and, and, you, and, you, and you thought the results of it uh, and the, the image of it was a good thing or a funny thing or a, a successful thing, and you decided that that's what you wanted to be in life. You will be shocked if you go through, and this is why I don't think that most people ever need to go to therapy because you'll be exposed to some realities in your life and you'll hate yourself. You need Jesus first, then therapy second. That's just how I feel about it because therapy will open up doors that you do not want to walk through. Without Jesus, sometimes I think it's better just to go through life in a state of delusion because if you ever realize the reality of why you are where you are and where you're headed and you don't have Jesus to fall back on, it can be a devastating truth. But the reality of it is, is that so much of the way you decided to be as a kid uh, wasn't because that's just who you are. It was because you saw somebody, watched somebody on TV or somebody you respected that was older than you or some cousin or some brother or something, and you were like, that's cool, that's the thing, that's what li and that's what I want to be like, and it kind of dictates you. All right, now I'm just going to be honest with you, and I know it sounds stupid. I promise you, yours is stupid too, all right? But when I was growing up, I grew up in the, the era of Saved by the Bell. 
I, I was a little kid and it came on. It was on every channel 87 times a day. And dude, I thought Zach Morris was the coolest thing since sliced bread. I thought Ka Kelly Kapowski was the hottest thing until I saw my wife, Courtney. And like, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, that dude's cool. And like, and I'm sitting there and, 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 and that, that's who I resonated with. And I was like, man, that's cool. And he's funny and he's disrespectful to teachers. I'm going to be disrespectful to teachers and he's funny. I'm serious. This became, and I, I cannot be more honest. It became such a driving force because I'm like, this is, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. I don't want to take school seriously. I, I don't want to, I, I want to have fun and I want to enjoy life. I saw uh, some perceived results or some perceived prosperity or some perceived uh, success uh, in the results of, of the life of Zach Morris and his attitude. I was like, that's cool. That's what I want. It's just a And so in many ways, I tried to mimic that and, and it, it formed the way that I did a lot of things growing up. It just did. And you can laugh at me and make fun of me, but, but you have a Zach Morris too. I mean, you just do. It, it may be your dad. It may be a brother. It may be somebody that's real. I don't know. But for a lot of you, it's not, especially my generation, because no offense to the parents, but TV raised us. I know that we don't like to talk about that and we like to make excuses, but what TV raised us, we were raised by some of these shows. We saw uh, personality types and we saw rock stars and rappers and we saw this thing and we were like, there's something about that life. There's something about that way of life. There's something about that attitude. There's something about that dialogue. There's something about the way they talk. There's something about them and I just really like it and I like the results of it and I like the respect they get and I like the success they have and I like the money they've got and I like the way people look at them and talk talk about them and I like to, and I, I'm going to be like that. I want to do like that. And so you start to concern yourself because just watching somebody is one thing, but then you start to really concern yourself. You bring it in. You start to meditate on it. Think about it. You fall in love with the results. And so you kind of start to study their way of life and their path, how it led to it. And then you start to mimic it and do it. Hashtag America. The more the message goes on, I promise the less we'll laugh because the more real it'll get. I mean, how many people decided when they were in junior high and high school what they were going to do in their life because of somebody that they saw or, or what their parents always told them they should do or some, some sense of it. I'm going to tell you this, what you want to do in life, if you will do two practices, if you will think about what you want to do uh, specifically and, and why you want to do the thing, what's drawing you to that particular field, you'll be able to tell a lot about yourself. Because a lot of people want to be doctors, not because they care about people, but because uh, for a long time, being a doctor, being a lawyer, that came with just a certain realm of respect and authority and power. And so you, you saw that, and you saw that something that you liked in the way that they were respected and the way that they won, and, and, and you were good at school, and so you, you begin to formulate yourself, and this is what I'm going to do with my life, and this is what I'm going to be. Same thing with so many other different things. You, you decided a long time ago because you saw something that, that this is having a house, and I, and I know we talk about it all the time, and it's just something that's so mundane, and everybody kind of knows this, but, but somewhere along the line, somebody convinced the majority of the American people uh, that, that having the big house and having the big car meant success. And so that's where so many of us try to do. We try to achieve that so that we can have that. I mean, that, I, mean I, don't, I hate watering down life and just making it, but so much of that is that, that that's somebody told you. 
And, and then there's things like in the 80s and the 90s, if you go through and you study all this stuff, I'm kind of a geek sometimes, that's why I, like, I love studying pop culture and the research. And, while we're, and in the 80s and 90s, there was just this massive love of money uh, that, that it was just, just uh, almost universal. And, and in that generation, my, my parents' generation, uh, they, were just, they wanted to work themselves to death and they wanted to, to get to the promotion and get the job. And it was all about the money and the paycheck and, and driving forward. And it was a good time to be like that because all the markets were up and the real estate was up and everything was kind of happening. Everything was kind of going to lot of cash in society. Everything was just kind of flowing. Everything was kind of good. And so they just, they just went for it. And this is the thing. And this is why I want you to understand how things change us and guide us is my generation, the millennials, we looked at you guys. Now, no offense, because not, this doesn't everybody, just a lot of people in that we were like, okay, yeah, you had the house and you had the cars and you had the paycheck and you had the money and, and you did it, dad, you did it, mom. But we were there and we know that you hated every single second of your life. We saw the damage that it did to the marriage. We saw the damage that your way of life did to you. We saw that, that you were old and fat and hated life. And the only thing you woke up to every day was hoping that one day you would retire. And that you would just go off somewhere and then die quietly. We saw that. And so we were like, you know what? Hmm. Maybe we don't need all that money. Maybe we want to be something. We want to do something. We want to stand for something. Maybe we, we got to fill our gap with something else. And then something happened. I know everybody's going to, you're going to think, well, this isn't me. That's not, you know, just pay attention. Then Paris Hilton showed up. Now, I know some of y'all may not remember her. and Some of the older ones may not even know her, but she changed the world. And, I, and I'm going to be real for a minute because before her, there was nobody famous for being famous. She changed the whole game. She changed the whole culture. Before, fame just came along with being very successful in business or being in Hollywood or being an actress or actor or something like this. And then she came along because social media has given us a weapon that can be used for a million different things, some good and some evil. And she came along and, and she was able to, to create this, this cult following of people who just worshiped the ground she walked on. And now this became the millennial something to hunger for. That wasn't money and it wasn't wealth. We wanted to be known. We had MySpace. Anybody remember MySpace? <laughs> then we had Facebook and a couple of those other ones that didn't make it. And then we had Instagram. You know the good ones because any of the good ones that come out, Facebook's going to buy it. It's called a monopoly. <laughs> Apparently the government has an issue with old Zuckerberg right now. Anyway, but... We got Instagram coming up, Snapchat still trying to survive and make it, and, and we got all these things coming up. And, and this became a huge part of all of our lives. And even the older people, like you go hang out on Facebook, 90% of the people on Facebook are 90. <laughs> you go to the younger kids that are in high school right now, they might not even have a Facebook. And if they have a Facebook, it's only because Facebook bought Instagram and you kind of have to nowadays. But it became a whole, it, it changed the way we thought about life. How are we, how are we going to put ourselves out? And this is the point where I, I'm, I'm really, there's a lot of, I could go a million directions with this, but this is the part that I want you to understand is that this reality has put us in a position that nobody else in history has ever been in. And I want you to hear me. It's, this isn't a message about chasing fame. Don't do it. It's stupid. Solomon says so. This, this isn't a message about, I could tell you the new documentary that just came out that Paris Hilton kind of did about social media. And she said verbatim at the beginning, at the end of it, I don't have any real friends. I don't trust anybody around me. That's why I still to this very day, all I do is travel the world and be with my followers because they don't know me and I don't know them and I can find comfort in that. She's as lone as she'll ever be. It's her own words, not perception. I could tell you that, but we won't, we won't go there. But what social media has done 
it has opened up this reality of seeing and watching and concerning ourselves in a way that it's never been in human history. 200 years ago, there wasn't even a TV. So you, you couldn't, uh, there, was only, there was a finite amount of people that you could concern yourself with. You tracking with me? Uh, and then when the TV kind of rolled around, there was only like, I don't know, three channels. And they were all black and white. Right? It was like Mary Poppins and the Wizard of Oz. A few newscasters. Right? I get all my news from Saturday Night Live. All right? That's where I, people's like, you want to talk about politics? I'm like, nah, I really don't. Because it's all corrupt and none of them love me. And half of them, never mind, I'm not going to get there. Social media showed up on the scene. And now I don't have to wonder what you're doing on Friday. I can see. I don't have to wonder how her life is going. I can just look. I, I, and, and here's the deal. And this is just the classic old adage. And, and we only post the best stuff, okay? Like last night, I did a little mini project with Obs, and I posted it. And I was like, oh, we did a project, and she painted, and she destroyed the garage with the paint, but it was so pretty, and we had so much fun. And I wasn't like, me and Courtney are about to rip each other's faces off two hours before that. I wasn't like, this is what fighting looks like, <laughs> Right? Like, we, we don't post that stuff. So, so now, not only do you have a, your eyes set on everything and everybody around you, but you're only seeing the highlight reels. You're only seeing the best of the best of the best of the best. And this is what happens. This gives you a thousand ways to ruin your life. This gives you a million different paths that you were never created to go down. But we concern ourselves with all kinds of people. We concern ourselves with the people around us and the people we don't even know. And when you concern yourselves long enough, you start to compare yourself. And I want you to, I want you to hear me. I want you to understand. Because this isn't about comparison either, okay? I'm telling you. I told you it's going to seem service. You're going to think we're going in one direction and we're not. But I need you to follow me. You concern yourself long enough with a bunch of different people or a way of life or a result or something, especially that is outside of God's will, especially ways of life that are outside of, of God's perfect righteousness and justice and, 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 and way of life for us and outside of the way that you were actually created to be and do and live. You start to compare yourself and you start to compare everything. You start to compare the resources. You start to compare the hobbies. You start to compare friends. You start to compare uh, gifts and abilities and talents. And you start to compare uh, uh, the opportunities versus your opportunities. And you start to compare uh, the direction they seem to go. And you start to compare the results. And you start to compare the posts on Facebook. You start to compare how many likes they get and how many likes you get. And you start to compare all this stuff. And in this comparison, something happened. David talks about it here later on in the Psalms, uh, all through Proverbs, uh, continually through and even this even made it to the top 10, the big 10, that's the 10 commandments. When you start to concern yourself and then you'll start to compare yourself, it will not take long before envy will set into your life. And this is the thing, envy. Envy is kind of like pride. Pride is so almost impossible to see it operating in your life. Most other people can see it. You can't. There's only one or two ways that pride works out in our life to where we can actually recognize ourselves. The rest of it, we don't even realize it's pride. Envy is the same way. Envy will set in, and you don't realize that envy, enviness has set in. And I want to very quickly separate envy from jealousy, because jealousy is not a sin. 
Jealousy is not in the top 10. Jealousy means that you yearn for something that is rightfully yours or was yours. God can yearn or be jealous over his people because they're his people. Does that make sense? Envying means that you want something that wasn't yours, it was never yours, probably doesn't ever need to be yours, and you definitely don't have any right to it and you're not entitled to it. That's envy. I'm looking into somebody else's life and I want the thing that they have. I want the marriage that they've got. I want the kids that they have. I I want the money that they have. I want the parents that they have. I want the resources that they have. I want the house that they have. I want the job that they have. I want the notoriety that they have. I want the respect that they have. I want this. I want that. You want the fame. You want whatever it is that attracts you that you begin to crave. You look into someone else's life and you think, that's what I want. That's what I want life to be like. And you don't realize that in that moment, and I need you to hear me, that's envy. When you look into someone else's life and you crave something that is not yours, that's envy. And it's deadly. It's why it's in the top 10. Because it'll absolutely massacre your life and you won't even realize it. When envy begins to set in, what happens is is you you begin to do two things. And it will always, everything that will come from envy will fall into these two things when it comes to people. You will create, with envy, you will create enemies to hate and you will create enemies to emulate. And I I want to be clear because I know you're going to justify yourself and you're perfect and you're sweet and you're cute and you would never do this. But I need you to listen to me. The way you know envy is here and and that you're beginning, you've created an enemy is when somebody at work or somebody at school or somebody you go to church with or or somebody in your family or your siblings or your parents or whoever, when when you've got someone you're concerned with and you're comparing yourself to and then you just envy sets in, when something good happens to them, there's something that negative happens inside of you. You can't celebrate the win. You can't tell them good job and mean it. You can flatter and you can be deceptive and you can be a liar like most of us do. But inside, it bothers you that another good thing happened to them. It bothers you. It, you see it as a negativity. And you'll do this. You'll do this a lot of time. You'll, you'll laugh. <laughs> well, if I, had, if I had the money that, uh, if my parents had the money that her parents had, I would be able to do that. <laughs> Well, if, you know, if, if, this, if I hadn't had three kids, I might still have the body that she had. <laughs> if I had the time, you know, I might be able to do that. If, if, if I had a different upbringing, if I didn't go through that situation, and you start, you, you start justifying uh, uh, cutting them down in the process and justifying why you don't have it, making excuses. You create an enemy to hate. Uh, and and when, something, when, when something good happens... You, you can't, you can't, they didn't deserve it. They don't deserve it. You deserved it. Uh, you're better than them. I know everybody in here works for a boss that you could do their job better. I, I know that. Every NFL fan can coach better than the coach. I get it. I understand. Everybody else in the world is stupid and you're a genius. I, I know that. I know. And then nobody's noticed it before. I get it. I understand that. But here's the thing I need you to understand. That when this envy sets in, this comparison sets in, what will happen? And, and it's, this is not even a message about envy. It's not a message about duplicating the lives of others. It's not a message about that. This is what happens. This is what the message is about. Because when you watch people long enough, you concern yourself long enough, you compare long enough, and envy sets in, eventually, and this is what David's warning about, you will become confused about who you are. You will become confused about the path you're on. 
you'll become confused about what you were created to be and you'll become confused about the way of life that God wants you to live. Because you'll, you'll try to take someone else's purpose and make it your own. And here's the deal. I need you to understand this. I believe with all my heart, the vast majority of insecurities that exist in our life exist because you're trying to play a game you were never created to play. I grew up, I was good at basketball. I really was. My dad was really good. He played in college. I could shoot a basketball. But at the end of the day, I'm five, nine and a half and I'm white. And as much as I wanted to play ball growing up. And I was good in my little 2A school. I was good, but I went to a basketball camp at Gardner-Webb. And I remember I walked in, this dude named, what was his name, Jerome something. He went on to play. Started, looked look like from the three-point line, did a 3 sixty dunk. First five minutes into this basketball camp, and I was like, well, that's my entire future. I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm not gonna be able to beat Jerome ever in my life. Here's the thing, if, I st- if I'd spent my whole life, people do this, chasing basketball, which for a real second, I wanted to do. Because <laughs> I can shoot, I really can. But I, I, if I'd have done that my whole life, I would have been a failure. My whole life, I would have been mediocre. Uh, mediocre. My, my, my whole life, I would have come up short. My whole life, people would have said, you're not good enough. My whole life, people would have said that. And here's the thing, I would have been a failure. I would have been mediocre and I wasn't good enough. And that's okay, because that's not my path. That's MJ's path. It's LeBron's path. That's Kobe's path. It's somebody else's path. This is the thing I want you to understand. Even Albert Einstein, one of my favorite Einstein quotes, he said, a fish that tries to climb a tree looks stupid. I, I, need, you to, I need you to hear me, because a lot of you guys You're throwing your life away because you're trying to walk down somebody else's path and do somebody else's purpose. And I'm going to call the parents out. You've ruined some of your kids' lives by telling them their whole childhood they could do anything they wanted. They can't. You're smart enough, not in some ways. There's nine levels of intelligence. I believe everybody has two to three great levels of intelligence in their head, but there are some people, there are some people that aren't in some areas. You can be a doctor, not if you can't process math very well, you'll never do it. You can be a lawyer, not if you don't have a good memory, you'll never be able to do it. It's impossible, you can't do it because you weren't created to. You can do anything you want, do anything you want, don't let your teacher lie to you. No, you can't, you can't. You can't do anything you want. You're not good enough to do anything you want. You lack ability, you have weaknesses. Some of you are too tall, some of you are too short, some of you are too skinny, some of you are too fat, some of you are too smart in some ways and too dumb in other ways. You are exactly who God created you to be and you are perfect the way that you are. And this is the problem with the American dream who I personally believe was written by Satan himself. Chase anything you want to chase. Do anything you want to do. Go any direction. You Don't let anybody stop you. You can do it. You can build it. You can accomplish it. You can be it if you just work hard enough. Lies. The majority of people, especially in this country, this is what you do. Two universal traits of being an American. I guess they just, at the hospital, they just put it in our DNA or something. You spend most of your life working very hard to try to keep up with people that you don't even like that much in various ways. And then you will pick a path, usually in high school. You're not old enough. The government doesn't think you're old enough to drink or smoke, but you're old enough to 
pick your entire path and purpose for your life. It's absurdity, it's foolishness, and it's stupid. That's why so many kids go to college for four years, spend 50 grand, start off in debt, and have no idea what to do with their life. And the worst ones are the ones that actually go down the path till they're 30, they're 40, and they're 50, wake up one day and realize they wasted their whole life. I'm telling you. You'll get confused about who you are, and then you'll go down somebody else's path, and you will come up short because you're on the wrong path. And you will look like a failure because you are a failure because you're at somebody else's thing. You're doing somebody else's thing. You're a, you're a square peg in a circle hole, and you just feel like life is like this. Some of you went into sales because you're attracted to the money, but you're a horrible salesman, and you should never do it. Ever. You went in to do something because of the money or the respect or the notoriety or, or because your parents told you to or because something else happened. You chased it and you should not be spending your life doing that thing. God created you. And this is what David, David points back to. He says, I, 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 was, I was young once and now I'm old. And this is the thing he's saying, stop watching everybody else. Stop watching their way of life. Stop watching, especially those who are living outside of God's will, doing life a different way. Keep your eyes off of them. Keep your eyes on God. Humble yourself before God because here's the reality. The only one that knows why you were created is the one that created you. I am not good at 99 things in this life, but I have the potential to be great in one or two areas because that's the way that God made me. If you pick me up and you put me in a in hundred other paths, I'm a failure. But if I'm a square peg in a square hole, then I will reach greatness in this life for the good and the glory of God because I'm doing the thing that I was created to do. And this is what David says. You don't know your future. You don't know who you are. You don't know why you were created to be. Stop letting the world tell you that you're not good enough because God made you just the way you are. The Bible says you're his masterpiece. You are good at a few things, and it's within those things, it's within that path that God wants you to go down. But here's the secret sauce, and this is why David said you got to roll it up on God because God's the only one that has it in his hand. And that word at the end that says he'll act or he'll do it or he'll form it, that's the same word. It's just one word, one Hebrew word. It's the same word that's used when it says God made the heavens and the earth. It's a creative sense to it. What it means is, is that God has it in his hands. And if you will humble yourself before the God who created you, and you will roll your path and your way and your purpose upon God, and you will trust him, then he will form it out in front of you. He'll lay it out in front of you. Solomon says he'll straighten the path in front of you. He'll straighten the road. He'll move the mountains. He'll raise up the valleys. He'll reveal who you are. But if you keep trying to chase the world and then look and concern and compare and envy and chase after those other things, you will go through your whole life never knowing who you really are, never knowing what you were really meant to be, never knowing what you were really called to do. And at some point in this life, it may be when you're 40 or it may be on your deathbed, it will hit you that you woke up every day of your life and wasted every second chasing somebody else's dream and somebody else's purpose. God put you on this planet because he's got a plan and a design, distinct purpose for you and you're the only one that can do the thing that he called you to do. Quit trying to live somebody else's dream. Stop watching everybody else. 
Stop chasing everybody else. I would rather you pray, live in a box, and serve God until he shows you who you are than waste the rest of your life trying to let the world tell you. God loves you. He created you. And he's waiting to show you who you really are. If you will roll that burden upon him, trust him, he'll form it, he'll make it, he will bring it to pass, he'll reveal it to you, and he'll accomplish it. If you guys will stand with me.